that uh, for those who are visiting with us, um, we have been going through the book of Acts for the summer, and we're focusing on God's mission for his church. And God's mission is that his church flourishes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Nadine, I have a question for a minute, sorry. Am I on this mic or this mic? Pull up a mic or headless? Headless, cordless. <laughs> cordless? Okay, thanks. So God's mission is that his church flourishes through the power of the Holy Spirit. That was his mission years ago, and that's the same mission that he calls us to today. And in order for the church to flourish as God's people, we must be obedient to God as he sends us out into his kingdom making disciples. As Joan shared with the kids this morning with us, that we have the direction from God's word. Just like a map, we follow directions. God gives us the directions from his word. So as we read this morning from Acts 4, we're going to start at verse 32 and go to 5, verse 16. Acts 4, 32 and 5 to, 5 to 16. Let us come to God in prayer. Father God, as we read from the book of Acts, you call us to action. You call us to flourish as your people and as your church. And so you desire obedience to your commands and you desire commitment, not out of fear, but out of gratitude and thanksgiving for all that you've done for us. So bless this reading and the preaching and may the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ be proclaimed. In his name we pray. Amen. So the first part of our reading this morning, we also read last week as our last part, and it includes the latter part of chapter 4, and I think it's necessary to repeat, and I'm going to read that part with just some um, other information in between. So we begin with chapter 4, verse 32, where all the believers were one in heart and mind. And again, this part stresses that unity is important. God desires a church of unity. Not that everyone acts the same or thinks the same or even worships the same. But God desires a unified church that everyone has the same purpose in mind. A church that believes that we have to do anything within the will of God to declare the gospel message and make disciples. In this situation of the early church, the unity in this passage surrounded their past possessions. And so let's keep reading verse 32. We read, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Verses 32 to 37, we learn a little bit more of what's going on in the early church. With great power, again, the power of the Holy Spirit is at work among God's people. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The gospel message of Jesus continued to be the story that was shared to make disciples, to lead people to repentance and faith. And those sharing at this time were witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 32, Luke, the author of the book of Acts, states, and he continues on, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. God's grace was at work. God's amazing grace, his undeserving favor, his unconditional love was at work. And God's grace led to some people selling their property and giving the money to the church. Verse 34, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, not all people did this. It happened, as it says, from time to time. And then Luke gives us an example of this happening. Verse 36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money 
and put it at the disciples' feet. So the first part of our reading this morning, we have a description of God's grace at work among the people. Some of the people feeling called to sell their possessions and distribute their funds to the church according to God's will. But this, again, wasn't the case for all people. It wasn't a command. It was an opportunity and a response to the gospel message of Jesus. But then we got to ask ourselves, if it wasn't commanded, then why do we get to chapter 5 and the first 11 verses about this husband and wife, Ananias and Sapphira, who are killed because they didn't share all their funds? Especially when we read verse 34, that it was only from time to time that people were sharing. It wasn't everyone. It wasn't all the time. So let's read this story from Acts 5, 1 through 11. And we're going to keep reading, as I mentioned, to verse 16. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold? Wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You haven't lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. And Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at at his feet and died. And the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. And then life kind of continues on. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats, so at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I'm not going to try to say that I fully understand this story and God's purpose in this story. But as I was reading the story of the husband and wife in the early church being disobedient and lying to Peter, and they're dying on account of their disobedience, of course, it sounds really harsh to us, right? But let's go back in history. It seems very similar to a story that comes to us from the Old Testament of Israel and Achan in Joshua 6 and 7. The story where Jericho was destroyed and the people were told to, complete, to leave everything completely alone. But Achan, he stole some of the possessions when they, again, were commanded not to. Achan and his family were then stoned to death and Ananias and Sapphira died. It's interesting that both these stories are about possessions. And so you've got to wonder whether that's the common link or not. Well, I think as we step back and take a bit of a balcony view of these stories, 
I think more so we can see that it's about serving a holy God and how he calls us to obedience. Of course, calls us to obedience with our possessions, but with all aspects of our lives. And so both these stories, the Old Testament and New Testament, they seem rather harsh. But let's take a step even further back to the time of the Genesis story, where a husband and wife also disobeyed God. They lied to God. In these stories, the husband and wife were tempted by evil. They were tempted by the devil. Now, that's not an excuse, but that is what occurred. And they went contrary to God's will. Now, Adam and Eve did not die instantly, but they were given a death sentence. In fact, the whole world was given a death sentence on account of sin in the Garden of Eden and on account of our own sins. Because God is a holy God, and God demands obedience from his people. So this is serious stuff, and it's definitely not easy stuff. So let's take a closer look at this story. The Holy Spirit must have inspired the author, Luke, to put this story in this place for a purpose. The church is flourishing, and it's unified. And just prior to this, Joseph, who was renamed Barnabas because he was a son of encouragement, had just given all his possessions to the apostles to use. And let's be honest now. If uh, someone were to sell their property today, let's say a farm, the quota, the land, the house, and gave the complete funds to the church... Well, okay, sure, farm credit and the bank get first dibs. But then they give complete funds to the church. It would still be quite a celebration among the people. And you know what? Word would get around. It would. Did you hear what this farmer did with his, with his property? Again, this does not make the initial intention of the farmer, or in this case Barnabas, wrong. He didn't do this for the accolades, but he did this because he was obedient to God through the Holy Spirit. And if the accolades occur, I would just say that's just a normal part of our society. And it just comes along with being obedient. That's how society responds. So I'm going to take a bit of a bunny trail here. A little digression. Because too many people feel that what we give should be private. And I think God wants us to wrestle with this passage in our hearts today. Scripture doesn't state that we need to give in silence and privacy. Because if you truly give from the heart, that's what Scripture says, give from the heart, it wouldn't matter what others thought or even said. They could even praise the person. Your name would, be, would possibly be changed to Joseph, of, to Barnabas for that matter. But it doesn't matter what people think. It matters what God thinks. And often people will quote that the left hand and the right hand shouldn't know what's going on, and I get that, but that's true if you're a hypocrite. Read the passage. Some people do give and do so publicly with bad intent. This doesn't mean that people cannot give publicly with good intent. If it's from the heart, it shouldn't matter to you or to others Or even to God, whether it's public or not public, because it's about him anyways. So that was my brief digression. So back to Ananias and Sapphira. They see the attention. They see the accolades that 
Barnabas got. They hear that his name was changed to Son of Encouragement. And as stated, Barnabas gives publicly, and it wasn't wrong. So they come along, and they choose to do the same thing, almost. They are, however, doing it for the wrong reason. Barnabas was driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Ananias and Sapphira was driven by the power of the unholy spirit. And as much as the power of the Holy Spirit is present in the early church, we hear that over and over, Satan and his temptations are also present. And Peter called out the work of Satan in this couple's life. Many who have taken a faith formation class with me and sometimes they desire to make public profession of faith, will often hear me give a warning. Because if you're truly going to make a public commitment to God, then you can also expect that the devil has a target on your back. Because where God's kingdom and his people are growing, you are certain, you can be certain that Satan will be near. So God's people will need to be on guard. Not scared, not anxious. Be on guard. So God desires his people to be people of integrity. God desires people who will commit to him from their heart and stay true to their commitment. And if that's giving, through giving of finances or through loving him and loving others in different ways, God desires us not to break our promises and our commitments. This time of year is often filled with many weddings, and maybe some of many of you have been, attended a wedding recently. And at weddings, there is commitments that happen. The commitment between a husband and wife. It's a covenant commitment. There's a commitment to one another. There's a commitment that they make before God, to God. And then the guests. Often there's guests that will often commit as well to the couple. Commit their prayers and support. Commitment is keeping our word. And often when I ask questions, whether it's at baptism or weddings, and I ask the congregation for commitment, I ask you also to answer if you're able to answer with integrity. Because if you can't answer with integrity, then don't answer. But if you can answer with integrity, then answer. Now let me explain integrity. It is a commitment. It is keeping your word. And when you fail to keep your word, you acknowledge that you did fail, that you did mess up, and you recommit to your word. So integrity doesn't mean you're always going to keep your word. I mean, that's what we strive for. But integrity means that, yeah, there will be times that we fall short, but then we recommit. That's integrity. The opposite of integrity is hypocrisy. Ananias and Sapphira were hypocrites. The word hypocrite actually comes to us from the Greek language, and it's actually used as an acting term, a stage term, meaning stage actor or pretender. So in theater, a good actor would actually be a hypocrite. But outside of theater, in reality, a hypocrite is someone who acts or pretends. It is someone who says one thing and does another. A hypocrite is a person who lacks integrity and authenticity. Ananias and Sapphira both said that they sold all their property and they gave all their property to the church. They were pretending. They were hypocrites. Now, Peter argued that it was their property before it was sold and it was their property after it was sold. So, really, they could do anything with it as they please. 
private property and possessions still belonged to the people. Even though many were sharing, there was no command to do so. They could have just said to Peter, hey, Peter, we sold all our property. And you know what? In keeping in line with Old Testament and, and other rules, let, let's, let's, we're giving 10%. We're going to keep 90% to ourselves. Is that okay? That's fine. But they lied. They lied in order to receive an honor and glory that they were not deserving of. So this lesson of obedience, it's a tough lesson. Because God used Ananias and Sapphira as an example to the rest of the community. Again, God wanted the community to be unified. To be a community based on love. Love for God. Love and well-being for their neighbor. And Ananias and Sapphira were concerned with their own status in the community. Hypocrisy and self-centeredness will break down unity. Love for oneself will break down unity. So this is a reminder that even though there's an explosion of the Christian church, that the, if there's a massive growth occurring, there's still two worlds at work. The work of God and light and love, or rather the world of God and light and love, and the world of Satan and dark and evil. And there's no in-between. We've got to ask ourselves, which world are we going to be part of? Are we pretending that we're in the light when we're actually in the dark? I think if we're honest, we can probably answer that we're all hypocrites at some times in our life. I mean, a simple example, very simple example of hypocrisy is when company comes over and the house is a mess and we shove our stuff in the closet or shove some stuff under the couch and, and then throw the dirty dishes quickly in the oven and our place looks attractive again. Further, deeper example of hypocrisy is coming to church. Our lives are a mess. We again shove the stuff of our lives under the pew or we leave it in the car and our lives once again look attractive. Hypocrisy is destructive within the church. And Satan will use hypocrisy to bring down the church, whether it's a pastor, office bearers, or its members. Christian rap singer Lecrae has a song that's actually titled Church Close. And he sings about hypocrisy among pastors and church leaders and church folks, that we will cover up our sins and our blemishes and we'll just put on these nice church clothes. And the song goes on to say that we want to hide things because if we don't hide things, that means we actually have to do some real change. And change is hard in our lives. It's easier sometimes to just pretend. At least so we think. Last week at the evening service, and we'll sing it again this morning, we sang the song, I Surrender All. And the comment was made at that time by someone that uh, these are difficult words to live out. And really, how many of us are not hypocrites when we sometimes sing this song, right? That maybe we should be singing, I surrender some, but not all. So yes, we have to commit, confess and admit that we are hypocrites. But then let's strive to change that. In this harsh story of hypocrisy, we can see God's amazing grace at work as well. Ananias and Sapphira, they were punished for their hypocrisy. God chose to use them as examples. But the reality is that we should all be treated like Ananias and Sapphira, but we're not. 
we all should receive eternal death on account of our sins, but we don't. Because death is not the end for the hypocrite who believes in Jesus and in response strives to live a life of obedience and faithfulness to God. Because we have a faithful and loving God and a God who extends his grace and his mercy to his people. Psalm 103 verse 10, we read these words. We're not treated as our sins deserve. In fact, Christ Jesus has removed our sins from us. And people, that is grace. We're not treated how we're supposed to be treated. God says, I take all your sins away. I mean, we've got to ask, though, why wasn't grace extended to Ananias and Sapphira? I don't know. I don't. That's the same question as asking, why aren't all people saved? I don't know. But we do know from Scripture is that all of us should receive the same eternal punishment. And we know we don't. All of us have fallen short of God's glory, and yet we are justified freely by God's grace through the redemption of his son, Jesus Christ, that only comes from Jesus. Because our Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah, has surrendered all. Jesus has given his life for you. And Jesus has never pretended, and he's always kept his promise. So we thank God for Jesus and his integrity and his commitment to his Father and to each of us. So let us now strive to be who God created us to be. Strive to repent of our messes and live as people of authenticity and integrity to the glory of God. Let's strive to live our lives like Jesus Christ. Yes, there is judgment, but there is grace and forgiveness. And may our eyes and our hearts be open to God's amazing grace through his son, Jesus Christ. May we be filled with God's Holy Spirit and strive to completely offer our lives to Jesus Christ. Let's strive to be able to say with integrity and authenticity that I surrender all. I surrender all. Oh, but I did mess up here. Lord, through your grace, forgive me and help me to work on this area again so that I can surrender all. Thanks be to our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, you are holy, and you call us to be holy. You call us to be obedient. And we thank you that you initiate a relationship with us, and that you even work in us through your spirit to empower us to respond. So may we respond in obedience and faithfulness to your word and to your will. Lord, we fall short and we continue to sin, but you continue to reach out to us as your children. We belong to you in life and in death, and we thank you for salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for forgiveness of all our sins, and Lord, we thank you that you continue to use us despite our sins and despite our brokenness. Work in us to grow your kingdom and to be the partners in mission with you. Thank you for your amazing grace in Jesus Christ, and through your Spirit, May we surrender our lives in obedience to you. It's only in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.